Hello and welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast with me, Danny Stagg. And me, Tim Clegg. And what was I, I forgot what I was going to say, Tim. Uh, welcome to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks uh, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, yet another podcast, I've Lost Count. Completely. Uh, completely had uh, another great interview and I just wanted to uh, maybe start by uh, talking about why we've been doing these series of interviews. Well, first of all, it's because myself and Danny are tired of uh, talking to each other. <laughs> it's like, who else can we get in the room? Who else can we get in to entertain us? But of course, uh, it's good for us to go out and meet other writers yep. anyway and find out what they're doing, what how they're doing it what motivates them, what we can learn from them. And, of course, while we're doing it, we might as well uh, come along with the recorder and, and share it with you guys. So it's for our benefit as, uh, uh, as well. Yeah, and of shakes course, things up. And, of course, the more that people um, hear about the podcast, so thanks for you guys for sharing it, of course, it means that more writers uh, are happy to, to come along and for us to speak to them because... Uh, they know you're all good guys, and the, you know the, yes. it's it's a serious and uh, sensible podcast with a light tone. <laughs> well, I, I remember now what I was going to say to him. Okay, and basically that it it is the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. We've been doing this since 2010, but we only do it um, since uh, once a month, so we don't ish. get fed up with each other. Uh, once a month ish, yeah. For, uh, but it's been going since then, and thanks very much for listening. We did get an email, Tim, yeah. which I want to share because it is quite nice, Yeah, from an Anne Theato, if I pronounced that correctly. Um, and she just emailed in to say thank you for doing the podcast, all of that kind of stuff, which is we always love to get anyway. But she had a little story at the end, which was really reassuring. She said, since listening to the podcast, I've been inspired to write radio plays. And I recently won a British Public Radio Award for an audio documentary I wrote about the death industry called Life at Death's Door. And Brian Blessed very kindly narrated it. And she just wrote to Brian Blessed and asked him. Uh, And now that it's won an award, she's managed to get Joe Brand to narrate another episode, which will be out in May. And she just wrote and asked Joe Brand to do that. And Anne in the email says, So you see, you are inspiring us little people to get going. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Which brought a little tear to my eye. So thanks for sending that email. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Because... um just goes back to our overall philosophy of the podcast, which is just getting on with it. Yeah. And also, as a writer, holding the de- your own destiny in your own hands, not always seeking permission. Yes. You know, just uh, make ma- making, ma- making things, trying new techniques, whatever it is that keeps you kind of inspired and working. Because, as you know, life's full of you know getting a rejection letter mm. or an email or whatever and so that's all can only really be part of your solution and part of your work you've got to keep working on your own things uh and experimenting and growing as a, as a writer yes. so i really like that because that's that's someone that's done it and to tell you the truth i think she's done it excellently because i'd have probably been a little bit intimidated to Right to those people, yeah. yeah. But uh, she might shout at me. I'm sure. I'm sure. And wised up, and she was very normal, and uh, and she got good contact. Remember that, folks. Yes. Remember that. Wise up that. and be normal is basically uh, how uh, you get on. Uh, with uh, things. I'm sure it sounds. It sounds like she's done both of those things. Right. So today, yes. No. Tim, the interview you said today. It, it's uh, an interview special, which we said earlier, and it's an interview special with Debbie Moon, who yeah. is the writer and creator of BBC's hit teen series. 
Wolfblood. Yeah. Um, it started on CBBC, but it's been such a hit for teenagers and younger and older um, that it's been on BBC Three as well. Mm. And it's up to series three now, I believe. Um, we met up with her in London recently, all very last minute. So we just grabbed her in a kind of very glamorous cafe in the middle of London. It's a bit noisy, it's folks. A bit noisy. So I apologise for that, but the, we couldn't really do anything else about it. However, I've had a listen myself to it since uh, since we got back, and uh, you know, is, there is the background sound, but we felt that uh, the content was definitely worth Some it to, to hear from a, a writer that has really managed to get something off the ground from. From nothing, from if you nothing. see what I'm saying. It was like one of her first things, and she's just straight in there doing it yeah. and is learning all the time, which she'll tell us all about that in the interview. So uh, listen have, up. have a listen. Well, here we are in a glamorous but a little bit noisy uh, Cafe, Nero, Cafe Nero in Euston Station even. We with, meet uh, in the best places. Yeah. Right? <laughs> with Debbie Moon, thank you for joining. Welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. Uh, my pleasure, glad to be here. Very short notice, so thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, for those who don't know, Debbie is the writer and creator of Wolfblood, CBBC's hit show. Um, which I'll get you to talk about and maybe pitch even yourself, because even Tim, I don't think you're a regular CBBC viewer. You might not have oh, seen it. Oh, how could you not be watching it? I'm shocked. No, <laughs> what I like. But uh, I think, to start off with, Debbie, uh, the kind of origins of Wolfblood have an interesting kind of background in terms of how the opportunity came about or how you started. So if you want to talk about maybe what you were doing before that came about and how things went from there. Right, yeah. Um, before Wolfblood came about, really, I'd been... I'd started off in theatre and from that I decided that what I actually wanted to do was to write for film and television. So it was the usual sort of several years of writing things that didn't get made um, getting small commissions from the UK Film Council back when it existed. Wow, that is, uh, that is an achievement. <laughs> um, and, and general sort of pitching for things and all, all the usual stuff. People saying, yeah, we like your work, but it's not quite for us, yeah. or we've got something similar. All the things that the writers go through at that stage in their career, really. Yeah. Um, and then um, BBC Writers Room had an opportunity for uh, children's scripts. They said, send in um, half-hour children's scripts and, and we will look at them and choose some people to go on a workshop, basically. Yeah. So I had this one children's idea, which had strangely had occurred to me when I was in a second-hand bookshop. I was looking at a book of, of, of a shelf of books and I saw the word wolf in one title and the word blood in another title and they kind of fitted together and I thought, that's interesting, what's a wolf blood? And ended up writing up this idea about uh, basically about a couple of teenage werewolves, yeah. but having reinvented the werewolf myth to to make it more of a kind of more of a superhero story, really yeah, about yeah. children with with superpowers rather than the traditional horror narrative. Mm. So anyway, so I sent this in to uh, to writers' room. The full script. Full script. Yes, yeah. yes. I'd asked for full scripts in this case. Um, and they really liked it, and to my surprise, I ended up being one of the finalists on this workshop. And from that, they took a couple of ideas into development, one of which was Wolfblood, and it went on from there. It just went from there, and it's just been commissioned for a third series. That's that? right, yes. So that's awesome. So how long ago was this original first call? Oh, it was it, it was about four years ago, I think. So that turnaround is really quite remarkable. Yeah, we're on the third series now. That's amazing. Yes, yeah. I mean, we were in development for just over a year, yeah. I think, which is a little longer than we were expecting. But it took a while to to raise uh, finance. We have 
co-producers who put in part of the money in Germany. Right. So it took a little while to set all of that up. Yes. So even before sending it in, were you a full-time freelance writer? or? Were um, I was kind of coming in and out of being freelance. When, when I had work, I was, I was uh, full-time. Yeah. And other times I'd just go and get a temp job for a while. So... So this as much was as like, I could. This was the answer to kind of your writing prayers. Yes, almost. yes. And you, you, you grabbed the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, so where did the kind of development and, and workshops take place? And where, where did you have to kind of go or what happened? Um, the original workshop was uh, in Kent, actually. They took eight of us down to, to a, a big country house in Kent, which felt rather like we were in an Agatha Christie story. Yeah. Luckily, nobody died, but it was a close thing. Um, and basically it was about a week of uh, talking about children's ideas talking to people in commissioning at CBBC talking to children's writers Um, CBBC actually do a lot of research about their target audience about what matters to children of certain age groups Mm -hmm. which is actually really useful for you as a writer because it's not necessarily something you think about precisely how to target for a certain age group so obviously they have all that information which is great Um, so yeah, so that, that was just a process of kind of working with our ideas, with each other's ideas. Were you okay. in competition with other people at this stage in terms of which idea to choose? And, and well, I mean, the thing was, they, they hadn't promised that they were going to take anything into development. It wasn't a competition as such. The, the workshop itself was surprised. Mm. And then if, if they wanted to develop anything from there, they had the option to do so. Yeah. So I, I don't think we really felt we were in competition, really. It was more of a, an opportunity for all of us. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine it was very exciting and, you know, was there any kind of things that opened your eyes maybe about the world of script development or, you know, things that we think we know so well, but actually when you get to do them or when it's asked of you to rewrite that outline or change that, was there anything that you found either difficult or a challenge or even interesting that kind of Um, popped up? I think over the first sort of six months or so of development, we did a lot of work really on developing the idea. I think you kind of never know your idea as well as you think you do. Yeah. You know, you, you think you have a strong idea of who the characters are and so on, but once you actually get into development and you start to sort of take that apart and look at it in such detail, mm. you start to realise where the holes are in the plot, yeah. the things you haven't quite thought through yet, the things that contradict each other. When you, uh, when you actually get to this stage and you have to answer all of those questions, obviously you start to know your idea a lot better. And, and the idea did evolve quite a lot during development, I think. Great. So. And once it was put into production then, is it made in Yorkshire or is it made in Northern It's Ireland? made in Northumbria, Northumbria actually. Yeah, so was close. About as far half from half where half. I live as possible. So. Yeah. <laughs> seven-hour train journey so so that's fun um no but it, it's beautiful countryside and it really fits with the we, we felt really strongly it had to be a, an outdoorsy kind of show yeah which i think was one of the attractions for cbbc uh-huh. they do quite a lot of suburban stuff a certain amount of urban stuff uh-huh. but to do something that was very much set in a small village where the characters spend a lot of time outdoors yeah was, was quite attractive for them but i mean what an amazing story a new writer yeah. Get your idea cherry picked by the writers' room. Gets mm. developed. Gets commissioned. Mm. You're leading your uh, brand new series. Was <laughs> uh, it six or seven for the beginning, or was it up to uh, thirteen? It was thirteen. 13 actually, it's 13. been thirteen every season. So yeah. Uh, of a small band of writers, I would imagine. Yes. Two or three yeah. or four or something like that. So that must have been just so exciting and... Mm, yeah, I think one of the most interesting things was just learning to write, work with those other writers yeah. and, you know, to manage. We, we didn't have a writer's room as such, but we had several meetings 
in the early part of each season to thrash out you know what the season will be what the basic arc for the characters will be and to allocate episodes to the to the writers so rather than just you know calling up a writer and saying write us an episode yeah. we were all very much on the same page uh-huh. and I think that's been, been really useful to us Did you have a allocated role do you think in terms of almost like an exec producer or did the producers come to you to say you know we need to steer on this we need you to guide us on this or was it um, I think because we have these meetings it's a fairly informal kind of thing we're all in the room together the producers said the script editors there throwing around ideas and out of that we try to evolve the best thing that we can really part of the thinking being that you know if we can do that properly then in a way I can then take something of a step back I don't have to be involved with say giving notes on every draft or whatever because we've done the framework and then we can kind of let the rest of the writers get on with it while I get on with writing my scripts so that, that works quite well I'm just trying to imagine this if this happened to me I might be like a deer in the headlights going, oh my god. <laughs> I think I was for a while there, yeah, actually. I don't, you know. Well, you've no time to stop. You just had to get well, on you, with you, it. You just have to get on with it, really. I mean, I had a really Love good that. script editor who was very experienced and kept everything on, on track. And I think by, by the point that we've been through a year or so of development, we just had a really strong idea of what, what the series was. And we were able to communicate that. Okay. Uh, I've got to lean in, listeners, to uh, get to the microphone. Right, so th- I'll do two questions because I'm leaning in. All right, then. So it's about before and after. So before you talked about starting off doing plays and, and theatre yeah. and so on, was that because that's what you wanted to do or just something to do while you waited for TV? And then that's before. Let's think about after. Do you find yourself now pigeonholed a little bit as a children's writer when your other scripts weren't for children? Ah, okay, so before question first, um, I had started off wanting to be a theatre director, actually, that's what I did my degree in, basically, um, and quickly realised I was really, really bad at it. So, um, but along the way I'd started sort of adapting things for the stage to direct, and I'd written a few short stories, and I kind of steered off into writing from there, I think. So, but the fact that I'd done a little bit of directing during my degree and afterwards was actually quite useful, because I, I had some understanding of how actors work with the script and I mean I was never a great director but at least I'd seen that process work which was really really useful I think and then what about after then? and the after question um, yeah I mean I think there's always a tendency to kind of pigeonhole people a bit but I think I'm kind of lucky insofar as I can pitch myself as a science fiction and fantasy writer as much as a children's writer and, and Wolfblood has quite a lot of you know adult fans certainly a lot of older teenage fans and iPlayer has been really useful for us in that respect because teenagers will watch it on iPlayer whereas they wouldn't want to be seen then watching CBBC. Yeah. So it's interesting how that technology has really expanded our audience. Well, that, that actually neatly uh, segues into what I wanted to ask Debbie, actually, Tim, so thanks uh-huh. for that. I knew that really. Yeah, there you go. Uh, because I think I came across your blog first before uh-huh. I knew of anything else. And right. it was just like, great, another working screenwriter actually blogging rather than people who... You know, <laughs> don't write who do blog kind of thing, um, and it's never get off the bus, isn't it? Your yes. your blog, and um, I know you're a big fan of genre, and you yes. and you kind of you talk passionately about genre on your blog, which I love. 
and so if you, if you haven't checked it out, Debbie's got a great blog, Never Get Off the Bus, and you give your insights on what you're watching, what you like about genre. Yes. And there's actually a quote from you that I use for teaching oh. in terms of, um, you know, genre is a great way to disguise theme and what you want to talk about. In yeah. And, and I just thought I'd get you to elaborate on that. Um, if, do you remember that quote? Do you know what I mean uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> if you want to talk about a kitchen sink drama, that's a bit boring. Yes. But if, but if it's something like a big robot that's attacking a domestic family kind of yes. thing, yeah. then you can just have a fun with genre but still mm. kind of do a really exactly. good story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in a way we, we haven't used genre as a selling point over here in the way that perhaps the Americans can. I yeah. think there are a lot of American shows. You look at something like Battlestar Galactica, yeah. which was really about 9-11, about the war on terror, about all those kinds of issues, but dressed it up within a science fiction context and made something that was a great science fiction show and a State of the Nation piece. And over here we've tended to separate the two. We do State of the Nation pieces and we sometimes do science fiction fantasy horror. Oh, it's the other way around here. <laughs> You've got to take your sci-fi show and hide it in a kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so well that it's just a kitchen sink trap. Mm. No one know. Yes, I mean, you, you, you could make a case, I suppose, that in the flesh is a kind of reverse of that. Yeah. It's actually a sci-fi drama that's almost dressed up as a sort of great northern drama. I love it in the flesh, that's not a criticism at all. But this is what's interesting, it's like diehard genre fans might look at something like In the Flesh, yes. or The Return, the Channel 4 yes. French thing, yeah. which I loved, because mm. it, it's a certain tone, it's a certain, mm. rather than a kind of like trying to reinvent the genre. Yes. But I find it frustrating because nobody seems to have a decent argument in this country for genre. Like, the execs, yeah. producers... There, uh, there is a lot of... Well, I don't know that bias is the word. Suspicion, I think, of genre. It, within within um, major companies, mm. among execs. I think this kind of has, has been from historically pieces that haven't worked. It's maybe from the fact that, you know, after the failure of the original series of Doctor Who, after that came off the air, there was yeah. a lot of suspicion of of science fiction, oh, it's for kids and we don't do that kind of thing. So I I think we're still kind of riding the tail end of that. And even the revived Doctor Who and the shows that have grown out at the end of that haven't quite overcome that. I think perhaps fantasy and horror are slightly more acceptable than science fiction. Science fiction is still a very, very hard sell. Because remember Outcasts from two or three years ago? I I probably shouldn't say this, but there have been execs who have said to me, because of Outcasts, we don't even consider sci-fi ideas anymore I because had it an failed idea so badly that, that I had written and yeah. because Outcast was a flop they said oh sci-fi's yeah. off the table now yeah so yeah exactly I mean you would, you would never hear that if, if a medical drama ran for one series and was a failure would they say we're never making medical drama again yeah 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 so it, it's all the way genre is handled differently to to more standardised dramas but does it come up in the meetings now that you attend? And, you know, because I know you're big on it, and you talk about it on Twitter and the blog and stuff. Um, you know, you'd be ideal for Doctor Who, for example, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think there is slightly more openness, certainly than there was when I first started writing a few years ago. I think we're we're starting to move. What we really need is a couple more big successes. I think Doctor Who has been great, but I think because it's Doctor Who. It's kind of discounted as well. It's Doctor Who. It's special. It's different. We can't create a policy out of this one thing. What we really need are a couple of more really big successes, I feel, that would just turn that tide. 
I mean, in some ways, Debbie, you're part of the problem as well as the cure because you've done a successful show, but it's for kids. I know. Yeah. So they're it's just going to go, yeah, fault. it's good for kids. You know, successful well, the Sp- on CBBC. Spartacle Mystery is another one yes. that's just been recommissioned and mm. a great show. But again, as you say, Tim, people say, oh, it's for kids. Mm. So yes. the real commissioners, I say that in inverted commas, <laughs> are going, yeah, well, you know, it's a different ball game for mm. yeah. creating a procedural or something like that. Well, oh, an interesting quirk too about uh, Wolf Blood that I just wanted to mention because I'm sure it's been mentioned to you before. <laughs> Debbie Moon, okay? Yes. Wolf Blood, yes. and I believe you had a script editor called Young Blood or Young Wolf uh, or something. Uh, script editor, who's now our producer, is Jonathan Wolfman. Uh, come on! And I think we, we had Emily Wolf working on the production come in the on. first. If I had written just... that in the script. You'd be like, get that out. That's, yeah, that's two on the notes. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it, it's amazing. What's, is that that theory? Is it nominative determinism oh my that God, suggests yeah. that, that your surname has some influence on what you do in life? So. I don't yeah. know. Like you, no, you who knows? Stack of scripts that you've got to read. Ah, you see. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm good for. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, Debbie, it's like you're you're flying the flag for genre and genre writers absolutely. and female writers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, which, how do you feel about that actually, in terms of the female writers mm. in the industry? And because there's lots of TV ones, but film mm. feature-wise, yeah, let me, let me feature th- Kelly Marcel, yes. just off the to, off top of my head, Jane Goodman. Yes. Uh, Emma Thompson, to I suppose, even though she's an actress. Yes, uh, yes. So you could... Tess Morris, of course, who's mm. just written Man Up, and we're going to interview her next month, hopefully. Right. Uh, do you know Tess? No. Uh, no she's I don't written. Know. She's written a rom com for Simon Pegg. Oh, right. Um, interesting. So it'd be interesting to see how she got that up and mm. running. Mm. But who else? Oh, Abby Morgan, maybe. Yes. Can you think of any female screenwriters? Uh, I don't. I don't really see it as being. Well, I mean, I would. I'm going to lay this on the line as a controversial statement. Go for it. But I don't care. In t- I don't care. <laughs> but in TV, is it as much of an issue as it was 10 years ago? In TV, it's not an issue at all, is it? But in film, it is. Or is it? I think there are quite a lot of, of women writers. There, there are probably more male writers and female execs and producers and script editors yeah. in TV. I mean, I think part of the problem in film is we just don't have a big enough film industry to support anyone. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Kelly Marcel and Jane Goldman. I believe they're both now living in L.A. and yeah. working mostly yeah. over there. So, you know, and, and who among us probably wouldn't do that given half the chance? True. So, and intre- oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Kelly's story is interesting, I think. She wrote the sci-fi drama first, Yes, uh, Terra Nova. That's yeah. right, which I actually didn't get into very much. Uh, but it was enough for her to launch a Hollywood mm, kind of... Yes. Career. And then Jane Gorman, obviously, kind of mm. via her links and all the rest of Yes, yeah. But well, via, but also via comics. Exactly, yeah. And I think yeah. that there's a lot of good comic, going back to genre, you know, there's a lot of, well, I'd say the world's best uh, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, 2000 AD and all that. Like, the UK is well known for those type of writers, but yes. it doesn't translate into film and TV yeah. it stays in the comic comic book yeah, world I think yeah. that's a bit of a shame you know Neil Gaiman Alan Moore you know these, mm. are, these are top folks for writing yeah. in the world yeah. but we don't capitalise on their skills well, I, me- like. I remember yeah. it came up in the BBC TV Leeds festival where I yes. initially bumped into Debbie in the summer um, and not putting you on the spot or anything here <laughs> but I mean Stephen Moffat was being interviewed about Doctor Who and somebody criticised him for not having female writers on the show and he said, you know, he does look for them or he's open to it, but they don't 
they're not at the level of experience was it he said that he wanted or he wanted yeah, somebody who'd showrunner the show or yes something? he did have quite specific demands for people for mm. working on Doctor Who I don't remember all of them now but I think yeah you're right yeah. he was looking for people who had run their own show and so on like I, I mean it's difficult <laughs> I mean we, we've had a lot of female writers on, on Wolf Club we might even have been slightly over 50% female I don't remember the exact figures now but um, but we didn't go out to find female writers. We yeah. just found the writers, writers and they are. happened to be female. So, I mean, I could kind of understand how you could end up in a situation where accidentally all your writers were male. Yeah. But on the other hand, if that happens season by season, shouldn't you be looking at your process and thinking, no, something is wrong here? Yeah. And the same with ethnicity and the same with, with whatever, really. Yeah. So, and, and I think a wider range of writers from different backgrounds of different genders are going to strengthen your show in the end. They're all bringing di- something different. Okay. So, well, let's let's get the spotlight back on you. The moonlight, shall we say? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Please don't. <laughs> Drops Mike Stop leaves him. the room. Stop him making the moon jokes. Stop him, please. Uh, Third series of Wolf Plus, obviously very busy with that. Yes. But obviously you've come to London meet today for meetings and stuff. So I have. Things are happening. Things are exciting. Things are, things are, it's funny how people take you a little bit more seriously when you're a BAFTA-nominated writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not in my Strange case. That. <laughs> yeah. You're BAFTA losers. Yeah, join the club. Uh, yeah, yeah join, we're in the BAFTA me. losers yeah. club. I know, I know. There's more of us. <laughs> But um, yeah, so things are, are starting to take off. I have another project in development with an indie that would be a, a Saturday night kind of fun drama. I can't really say too much about that now. Yeah. But um, and I'm talking to people about working on other existing series. So yeah, things are and features. Happening. Features, yes. Yeah. Um, went to LA for the first time in January actually, and I'm, I'm sort of ah. been talking to a few people over there. Just so drops yeah, just I, as you do, you know. <laughs> That's so great. yeah, so I'm I'm hoping some other projects will start taking off now. So, okay. and, and what kind of um, words of wisdom would you impart now to anybody listening? Oh, thinking, words right, of I'm wisdom. definitely going to get on. I'm definitely going to get my career up and running. No, no, no. Rephrase. <laughs> okay. Rephrase that. With me and Danny, are, right? We did it on the train on the way up. We're rewriting, you know, our children's feature. Oh, uh, of course, yes. Help us, <laughs> please help us. Oh Where's God! Yeah. What's your kind of top tips for writing for a younger for audience? a younger audience? Okay. Um, our, wow. Danny's done a lot of writing for children. I've yeah, done yeah. So, so we, we kind of debate a little bit about what you can get away with, how, yeah. to, peg, how to peg it almost mm. to their attention span and yeah. the way of speaking, maturity, and all that. Kind of yeah. What, 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 what's yeah. your take on that, or do you not even think of it and just think I'm writing for human beings, whatever the answer? <laughs> Um, I think kind of a bit of both, really. I mean, when I first created Wolfbird, I just kind of ploughed into it and in a way didn't really know what I was doing. And, and to some extent, Wolfbird has always kind of been an adult show for kids. So we, we've tackled the things that we are interested in, but we've managed to frame them in ways that are interesting to children of that age. We've talked about family, we've talked about personal identity, about growing up, about being different and fitting in. And it's those kind of issues that are really interesting to, to kids of that age, I think. So if you can find a way to, to 
fit your story into those issues and to illuminate those issues with your story, with your characters, I think you're onto a good thing there, really. And I think I asked you on Twitter, maybe once upon a time, yeah. something about this, and you, I think you replied back saying that you couldn't kill anyone. Though. That was the only <laughs> downside. You yeah. could blow up aliens and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. you couldn't kill a human being. I mean, certainly on CBBC there are quite strict rules. I think with children's features, you mm. kind of make up your own rules, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's really down then to the BBFC what you get away with. Yeah. But on CBBC there are rules and, you know, they don't really do romance. We've kind of pushed that envelope a little bit in Wolfblood, but even so you don't really do kissing and going out and all that kind of stuff. You're certainly not allowed to kill anyone. Um, I think in an early Wolfblood episode there was going to be something where a minor character disappeared and it was implied they'd been killed by wild wolf blood, but then they turned up okay two episodes later and that had to go because we couldn't leave the audience lingering thinking that someone was dead um, so yeah I mean for television there are specific rules but I think you can still tell the story you want to tell yeah. and, and just find creative ways around that and I think sometimes that makes you more creative and you come up with a more interesting story than if you'd been able to do whatever you want well let me ask you then uh, before you got wolf blood off the ground and all that yeah. and you were kind of a struggling freelance writer where did you turn to for your inspiration to kind of keep going or what kind of things inspired you? Oh, wow. Um, just watching a lot of movies, watching a lot of TV. Um, I read a lot of the, uh, the the traditional screenwriting books, you know, got them all from the library, went, uh, digested a lot of those. I think it's just having an idea of the kinds of things you want to create and just getting on with it, really, and not taking no for an answer. What better way to finish? then you know just getting on with it not taking no for an answer it's all in our hands people it's all in our hands there you go there you go yeah wise up normal wised up brilliant just getting on with things making things happen and who knows what will happen exactly Uh, something we're doing ourselves tim yes with our kids feature who killed nelson nutmeg yes which you may have listeners um heard us mention before hopefully you've heard us mention before We've been going guns with this now for a few months, and it's coming together. So it is coming, it's to, it is coming together, we're, and we've been having some fun doing it. And again, as I, I, I'd say, it just reiterates the fact that you know you get out there and, and and you learn so much about writing by doing. So it's been really great to do the auditions and so on, and and try out some of the scripts um, with the young actors and uh, see how they get hold of it and the funny things that they say that we never thought of. Yes. It's so fantastic. So um, no, Nobody's asking to us yet. to do this uh, film. We're making no. it ourselves. And we're They're just asking having, us not to, we're but we're ignoring them. them. <laughs> well, we're having fun with it, so keep uh, a lookout for the website, nelsonnutmeg.com. If you want to get in touch with us via the podcast, we're at UK Scriptwriters at hotmail.com yeah. and on Twitter and Facebook under UK Scriptwriters you'll find us that's right and if you want to subscribe to the uh, to the podcast your best way is to log into uh, iTunes and search for UK Scriptwriters we come straight up and if you subscribe of course it'll automatically download every episode uh, as it comes out makes every it easy to track it every episode we've done since <laughs> 2010 <laughs> exactly yeah exactly but uh we're hoping for uh, to continue this interview theme for a little while longer. Yeah, we've got a couple, uh, so more, people got a couple lined more lined up, so uh, we can't say too much yet because we don't know how, how it's all going to land. 
but um, I'm, I, they, they'll be good ones if, if, they, if it comes off. So we'll any suggestions for interviews or any suggestions for topics you'd like covered, just give us a shout. Yeah, brilliant. So thanks for listening as always. Indeed. And we'll see you next week. Cheers then. All right then, bye.